listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. So you might have noticed today that Pastor Jason, our lead pastor, is not here, a senior pastor. Um, make sure to say happy birthday to him because it's his birthday and that's why he's not here. Uh, though he wants to be here, he was forced to take a break and so he's enjoying a day off with his family and they're, they're off to a Dodgers game, which is awesome. I wish I was off to a Dodgers game. Boo angels, sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so Pastor Jason, our lead pastor, he's not here today because of that, but he really wanted to be here and he wanted me, again, something that I talked about during announcements. He wanted me to communicate to you guys how excited he is about next Sunday, the fact that we are adopting our first missionary family and that we will be supporting them henceforth next Sunday, a family that, as I mentioned before, uh, lives in Spain and they minister to Muslim communities. Uh, It's an awesome opportunity and something that you might have noticed we've talked about before and that Jason has talked about before. There seems to be something that God is doing where he's moving no longer because in some places it's it's hard for the church to step into a Muslim environment he's literally as Jason says shaking the nations and he's moving Muslims to the backyards of the of the church and uh and 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 it's an awesome opportunity especially when we live in such a divisive culture where we want to we want to place black and white on and label Muslims as this or that what we want to do is take the gospel to Muslims. We want them to know Jesus, to know true freedom in Christ Jesus. That's what we, we, we hope for. This is a great opportunity. This is a great commission opportunity for us to reach out to them. So you want to be here next Sunday. It's really exciting. Well, uh, my name, uh, for those of you that don't know it, is Ricardo, Ricardo Cordero. I'm uh, originally from Puerto Rico, San Juan, Puerto Rico, uh, the capital. Woo, no one, yes, whatever. <laughs> As Carlos is outside. He's not from San Juan. He would say, whatever. That's what he would say. Uh, but anyway, uh, and, uh, and, and I, I mention that because it is important to the context of the message today. Today we're talking about a really churchy word, okay? Here it goes. This churchy word is sanctification. Sanctification. It's a really churchy word, okay? And what I mean by churchy is that uh, unless you've grown up in the church or you've spent time in church and you've gone to a lot of Bible studies and read on theology, sanctification is a word that you might not be very well acquainted with. And it's because, again, it's a church culture word. Nonetheless, it is in the Bible, and we do need to talk about it, and we need to talk about what it means for us. And as I mentioned, I'm from Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is a, uh, a, is a wonderful place. Uh, and the population is predominantly Catholic. And I grew up Catholic. And I'm not saying that as a bad thing. On the contrary, I'm thankful that God raised me up in a Catholic family because, because uh, I was exposed to God. And I grew up loving and wanting to know God. But here's what happened. Uh, in the, within that culture and within that environment, within those walls, so to speak, Uh, I grew up with an improper understanding of how I relate to God. It wasn't a biblical understanding. It wasn't what the Bible said and thus what Jesus said. And so sanctification, this weird churchy word, speaks exactly to that problem. 
Now, here's what I want you to understand. Sanctification is the process of one becoming holier, as we'll see later on the screen. Um, and so my understanding growing up was that cross, let's, let's say that represents God. It's up on a pedestal, right? And down here on the floor, this is my life. These are my actions. This is how I live my life. And so what I grew up understanding and thinking was, okay, I have to live more and more holy every day. I have to be more and more holy so that I eventually can come up and be alongside God, okay? So if we were to call that process of becoming holier sanctification, that means that I'm trying to become holier, sanctus, become holier, so that I eventually could be justified in standing here. And it was an improper understanding. And here's why. The Bible says it. I can never do this perfectly. And the only standard that meets standing justifiably up there next to that cross or next to God, metaphorically speaking now, is living a perfect standard. And so my understanding was that sanctification was the process of me doing that over and over again. And it was frustrating. It was a sad, depressing frustrating process for me. On top of that, I have OCD. I've mentioned that before. Obsessive compulsive disorder doesn't mix well with religion. Just doesn't mix well. And so I, I tried to be perfect to a T and it really consumed me to the point where my mom took me to talk to a priest. The priest told my mom, uh, I don't do the stuff he's doing. You got to take him to a psychiatrist. And they took me to a psychiatrist. And then, uh, of course, I mean, I, I thought everything was perfectly well, but then we, my mom saw and I realized that I fit check mark by check mark. I was a classical case of obsessive compulsive disorder. This isn't a talk on that, right? But, uh, but it became a struggle because it made that, that disorder that I have currently still today made me that much more aware of how insufficient I was at living the holiness life so that I can get to the standing next to God life. Going from one to the other, it made me that, that much more aware. And so I'd go and confess my sins to a priest. And the moment I was walking out the door, I'd realize I'm sinning right now. I'm thinking about how this guy, I can't stand him, I want to punch him in the face. <laughs> or I'm thinking about this girl in ways I shouldn't be thinking about. Or whatever it was, you know, at every little second, my obsessive mind realized how I sinned every single time. So it just made me realize there's no way I'm going to get to accomplish this work so that I can stand up here. There's no way that's going to happen. And it became a source of depression, and it became a source of frustration and uh, angst and agony. And so the word sanctification or the concept of sanctification became uh, a burden, became such a burden to me. But here's, in a nutshell, what we'll talk about today. While people think because that's what religion does, that we sanctify ourselves by living holy here, and then we are justified in stepping next to God. What the gospel, what the Bible says in the gospel, what Jesus says, is that because of this, because of what Jesus did on this, he earns a a sanctified status for me. He earns the holy status for me. And so I am automatically, with nothing of that, 
I am justified to stand here. And that's a once and for all event. He justifies me to stand up here because of what happened here. Done. But now that moves me down there. It moves me now to walk into holiness, not with pressure of earning it, because he earned it. I've been justified first. I've stood here first. And now that has freed me. For freedom, Christ has set me free. And now I stand here moving more and more through a holy life, making mistakes, sinning, but seeking to be holier. But I am not anxious because I've been justified. I have already been placed alongside God. I've been already moved into the heavenly realms. I am, I can, as Hebrews says, I can approach the throne of grace with confidence. That has been done first. Then this work has been done. Now, those two categories have two churchy names. Sanctification and justification. And so we're going to talk about the two of them today. And I, I, want, I, I want to warn myself as much as I warn you about this. We can get too much head knowledge and miss the heart. Yesterday I was talking with a student in my office because I was working till late on this because this is a tough subject. And, uh, and he asked me, so what the heck are you working on? Because you've been here for hours. Uh, and so I, I gave him a recap of the message and I realized immediately I'm missing the heart. So I want you to keep in the back of your mind how the process of Moving from justification to sanctification is a liberating process, is a joyful process, and will move you into true happiness. That's what I am hoping the heart is stirred to today. I can, I can teach amazingly up here, allegedly, and nothing would happen. Nothing would happen because it's a heart issue. And so I pray right now in the name of Jesus that not just that his words would come out of my mouth, but that your hearts would be stirred up to seek after being justified a sanctified life in the name of Jesus. Amen. This series, by the way, is basic beliefs, foundational beliefs. It's what we believe. It's talking about what the mission believes and what our organization, so to speak, that's the, uh, that we are affiliated with, the Christian and Missionary Alliance, what they believe. And so they have this statement in their website and as part of their beliefs, they say, Jesus is our sanctifier. And they have a nice little paragraph that explains that. And again, there, there might be some churchy words there, so beware. But this is what it says. It says, it is the will of God that each believer should be filled with the Holy Spirit and be sanctified holy, being separated from sin and the world and fully dedicated to the will of God, thereby receiving the power of holy living and effective service. This is both a crisis and a progressive experience wrought in the life of the believer subsequent to conversion. <laughs> That's a lot of words, right? It's a lot of words. It is a, it, it is a very, very uh, complex, all-encompassing statement, but we're going to break it down little by little. So in that statement, it says that we should be sanctified holy. So the first word we need to address is sanctification. What is this process of becoming more sanctified? Sanctification has a Latin root, sanctus, which means holy. Okay, so the English word sanctification has a Latin root, sanctus, 
Santo. It's very relatable for me in Puerto Rico. All the saints were the people like the Pope and Mother Teresa who were living the amazing lives, right? Uh, and, and that I was like, I'm not going to be a saint, right? That's what I was thinking. So sanctus, santo, holy. And then the Greek word that is used in the Bible for that word, sanctification, is agiasmos, which means pure, pure, puro, pure, right? Can you say that again? Yes. The Greek word, it's hard to spell, man. The Greek word is agiasmos. It's sp- yeah, it's spelled H-A-G-I-A-S-M-O-S, agiasmos. Maybe, maybe there's a little bit of Hispanic coming out there, agiasmos. <laughs> but it means pure. So sanctification is to be, sanctified rather, is to be made holy, to be set apart as morally pure. Okay? So it is a process And in that process, I become holy and I am set apart as morally pure, which, as I said earlier, we know and the Bible says we can't do that on our own. It just doesn't work. We're sinful. We make mistakes every second, every day. There's a reason Jesus tells us to pray, uh, forgive us our trespasses right after he says, give us this day our daily bread. It's a prayer we do every day, which means every day you should pray for forgiveness right? Every day, because we sin every day. That's the implication. So sanctification, as I said, is that process of becoming holier. Justification is the process or the, the, the legal declaration that I can stand. I am worthy to stand in God's presence. I am accepted by God. So here's the definition of justification. We need to talk about that one. Justification, justification, excuse me, is a declaration of Christ's righteousness upon believers once and for all when they first believe. That means it's done, end of story, it's over. Never again does it have to be revisited. It's done, and nothing you do can separate that. Justification is a declaration of Christ's righteousness upon believers once and for all when they first believe. That means because of what he did here on the cross... Once and for all, I am declared to be legally in my right, always, forevermore, to be next to him. Because of a process he did, not me. Because of a process he did for me. And when God sees me, he sees the righteousness of Christ. It's not that he sees me and doesn't know I'm Ricardo. Oh, you look like Jesus, Ricardo. I guess you're Jesus. No. He recognizes and accepts the transaction. That's why Jesus resurrected. He accepts the transaction that Jesus has accomplished. Now his perfect life is the status upon which that has been laid upon me. And when God looks at me, he sees that, that sanctity, that holiness. He sees that status in me. Done, that's justification. It's a legal standing and it's done. It's over. Once you've done it, if it's real, if it's authentic, if you've really come to Christ, it's done. That's why I said when they first believe. Two passages out of the plethora of passages to support this. One is, of course, Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 9. Ephesians 2, chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, right? Because Jesus did it on the cross. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. That's why people say grace. It's because it's a free gift for me. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. 
immediately that passage dispels the understanding I had as a child, which is I work down here trying to live a sanctity life, so to speak, trying to live a holy life, and then I make it here. This passage says, nope, that's not how it works. You are justified freely by grace, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Not a result of works. So immediately, when I, when I realized that after 18 years of trying the other way around, it freed me. It freed me. For freedom, Christ has set me free. Oh my goodness, the pressure that I just, it was taken away in a moment. I realized, oh, no wonder I was so frustrated. There was no way I was going to do that. There's no way I was going to earn that standing. God freely gives me that justification. Here's another one. Romans 5, 1. The same word justified is used. Therefore, since we have been, past tense, done, okay, past tense, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have, present tense, forevermore. Done. You have peace. We have been justified. You have been placed here for good. If you've truly believed, if you've repent and placed your faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, it's done. It's over. It's finished. He has set you in the heavenly realms next to Jesus. You are the, and, and that means, by the way, that now we're adopted into his family. That means that now we are, just like Jesus, a son and daughter of God. That is amazing that we are seen the way Jesus is seen. When Jesus first comes into the scene in the Gospels, God says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. That's what he sees in me. I'm a son in whom I, he is well pleased. You're a daughter in which he is well pleased once you've come to faith. And that happens by repenting of your sins and submitting your life to Jesus as Lord and Savior, which means you will follow him. You will give up everything for him, including the way you want to live your life. Now, that was justification, the first churchy word. That's not the one we're talking about today, but it is essential that we understand it. The next one is... Again, the reversal of the process. It is moving us from, I've been justified so that now, by the power of God given to me up there, I can move into a life where I, little by little, am holier, more and more. And I'm going to sin every day, and that's why I say every day, forgive me of my sins, Father. That's why I must pray every day. But I am moving now into a holiness without the pressure of I can't live holy, so I'm done. That pressure's gone. He's already declared me justified. So justification moves us to holiness, both in status and in action. Justification gave us the holiness, status, but now it's gonna move us into action. It can't leave us passive. It doesn't work that way. Here's the thing. We are called by God to sanctification. We are called by God to sanctification. Sanctification is the process by which we become more and more like Christ and find more and more freedom from sins. So it's a twofold process, right? That holiness process does two things. I look more like Jesus and I 
am less dominated by old sins or by everyday sins, the small ones and the big ones. The small ones and the big ones. And I say that because everyone is in the process of sanctification. It never ends until the day of Jesus, until we are in his presence. That's when it is completed, which he's guaranteed that he will do. So let's see a passage that talks about how sanctification is the process of becoming more and more holier and having more freedom from sin. One of the classic chapters for this is Romans 6. The whole chapter works. The whole chapter works. But we're going to stick to verses 19 through 23. Okay? So this is Romans chapter 6, verses 19 through 23. For just as you once presented your members as slave to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. So now present your members as slave to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Hmm. Sanctification. He's speaking to people, by the way, who have been placed here. Okay? People who have been justified by belief in Jesus. He's telling us, now move into that sanctification process. That first sentence is basically saying, stop dedicating your life to bad deeds. Now present yourselves as holy people, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness, meaning you didn't have to try to live righteous because there was no way you were going to do it. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. That's a harsh phrase, but it's true. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. Sanctification is required. It is a must for believers. For one, think of it this way. You can't, even if you've received that legal standing, you can't stand in the presence of God unclean. Now, the good news, though, is that it's all one big salvation package. God justifies you, and he sanctifies you. Jesus is our sanctifier. It's one big package. But if you're thinking, well, I got justification, and that's it. I don't have to correct my life. Then either you haven't truly experienced salvation, or you, this is your wake-up call. One of both. Okay? Let's keep reading. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Even then, when it's calling us to sanctification, it's still reminding us that our free gift is eternal life here because of this, because of the justification process. Now that moves me on to sanctification process of living holier and conquering the power of sin over me. So that's, in a nutshell, what it's asking us to do. And all of us are going through this process as believers. If you are a disciple of Christ, if you consider yourself to be a true disciple of Christ, this is something you're wrestling with because it's not easy, okay? We still have indwelling sin in our flesh, all temptations. Has anyone seen the Shawshank Redemption? Anyone seen that movie? One of the prisoners gets out and he, he can't really function in real life. He's, they, they use this word in the movie. They said, he's been institutionalized. It's like you miss the shackles, almost. You know, you've been free. God takes this away, but you kind of like, oh man. I kind of miss that. I got used to it. 
That's, that's the, the process of sanctification being a, a little bit of a crisis because we struggle with that old good stuff. It wasn't really good stuff. You know, like when you eat something and you know you're not supposed to and you hate yourself. <laughs> I know I'm not supposed to eat this, but I love it. That's, that, that's us struggling with sin. That's us struggling with sin once we're believers. We know it's not good for us, but sometimes we go back and we partake. And God is saying, you're, you're missing the point, you know, that is not as good as I am. That is not as good as I am. You need to be sanctified. You need to align your affections from the sins to me. Here's why now it's possible. I'm going to take you back to that analogy we spoke of earlier. When I was a child, I thought, right, I could live this life well, just be holier, 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 eventually earn the justification I can't do it. We know it. We can't do it. Why? We don't have divine power to be perfect. But when I'm justified first, I am given divine power in the Holy Spirit that's deposited in me, right? He gives me this divine power. And now by the power of the Spirit, I can do things I couldn't do before. More and more every time. Again, we sin, we fall, but we can now do things that were morally impossible for us. Sanctification is empowered by the Holy Spirit. The classic passage of this, Galatians 5. The fruits of the flesh versus the fruits of the Spirit. I want you to keep in mind, once again, Paul is talking to people who consider themselves to have been justified. They are here. And now he's addressing, he's saying, well, if you're here, now you should be moving into this territory with the confidence of what this gave you. That you didn't earn, but he gave it to you. So now you're moving with confidence into that, empowered in a way you weren't before. Galatians 5, verses 16 through 24. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. You're a mess because you have your old nature that's kind of begging for you to put your shackles back on and you have your new nature empowered by the Spirit convicting you and saying, yeah, I can do better than that. I can do God. I can want and yearn for God and place my affection in something infinitely more valuable than in these old sinful desires, deceitful desires. And he reminds us here, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. All right, here goes. Everyone's going to get bruised on this one. Everyone's going to get bruised here. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. <laughs> we all do fits of anger. Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Notice the list has big and little sins. You know, it's, they're all desires of the flesh. They're all bad. They're all instances in which we say this sinful thing, imperfect thing, is better than God. That's, that's all they are. And so that's why they're all sins. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, 
kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. He's saying those of you that are justified are now given the power to do that, even though you won't do it perfectly, okay? Even though you won't do it perfectly, you're now empowered to do that, to seek that, to yearn that. And it's not a cause of strife. It's not a cause of anxiety anymore because he's done it already for you. He earned it already for you. My thinking as a child was I need to earn it to get up there. He earned it for me. Now I'm free to live this way. And the pressure of being accepted by God was done at justification. Justification gives you sanctification, not the other way around. Your holy living doesn't give you justification before God. He justifies you and now you walk into a new life, becoming a new person that looks more and more like Jesus. You've crucified your flesh along with your old passions and desires. Now your passions and desires are all focused on Jesus because he's so good. He's so infinitely good that he took the sins on that cross. He took the times that people did terrible things. He took the times that people killed, the times that people did sexually immoral things, the times that people were divisive, the times that people sought uh, division, the times that people were disrespectful to their parents, the times that parents went a little too far, the times that spouses uh, went a little too far in all sorts of different aspects. He took All that, think of all your sins right now in a good way. All of those things that I can't even mention here from my past. He took it upon himself. Bloody, right? He was made bloody. He was bruised, beaten, battered. Then he died. Took the punishment. And now I get his status. I stand here with that justification. So now let's move on to sanctification. Let's kill those old things that still tug at us. Let's kill the little minute sins every day. The little fits of anger. Uh, leave me alone. That type of thing. Those, those, those things that, that aren't gentleness, kindness, joy, love. Those fruits. Let's walk into that because we have the power to live that way. You have to understand, you have a supernatural power, supernatural, given by God. Things that were impossible can now be done. And so as I said, sanctification, this process never ends for us until death for our souls and when the Lord returns for our bodies. This is a really weird, mysterious thing. We talked about heaven and hell a few weeks ago. I think Tara was talking about that. Heaven has two phases. Right now there's heaven and then there's going to be new heaven and new earth. When Jesus comes back, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And at that point, people who are waiting in heaven, who have been justified, will get new bodies. At some point, our eternal experience with God is a bodily one. We don't hear about that much, but that's what happens. At first we're in heaven, and then we move into glorified bodies. We get a flesh experience, but it has to be a new flesh experience. It can't be this flesh. This one still wants the shackles, 
right? I have to be given a new glorified body like the one that Jesus has after his resurrection, upon his resurrection, so that I can live that new free from sin life. So sanctification is completed at death for our souls. Our souls are made morally pure, regardless of how many times we messed up. And when the Lord returns, we get new bodies. Now we look like Jesus in every sense of the word. That means that, you know, like... We call these in, in Puerto Rico chichos, these, uh, these little, what, what, what do we call these? These little side handles, love handles. <laughs> these, these are not, not going to be there, and I'm going to fight off my temptation to eat donuts in heaven or something like that. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to look all buffed up. I'm going to be like Arnold. I'm going to get new bodies, Right? Here are the passages to support that. Philippians 1.6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. You don't have to worry that you're not going to get this completed if you were truly justified. Christ is guarantee you he's going to walk you through this. You have to seek it out. As a Christian, you have to seek this process out after justification, though. And he guarantees that regardless of how much times you screw up here, if you're really trying with the Spirit, he's going to complete it. He will. Even with your mistakes, that's why Paul says, I am sure of this. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. From a spirit perspective, Hebrews 12, 23 says that our spirits that will become righteous, uh, the, the spirits of those that have been declared righteous will be made perfect. And then Philippians 3, 20 through 21 says that our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a Lord, a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, there it is, to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. New bodies, again, New bodies. It's not just a spirit floating in heaven around. That happens for a while. <laughs> in, in true enjoyment of God and in wonders that we can't describe. But then also we get to experience it in a new flesh, a new body, a glorified body. Now, this, most of what we've talked about here today is head knowledge. This is where I was yesterday scratching my head. I was like, this... This is just a lot of head knowledge. It's really nice and really pretty and has nice words like sanctification, justification. But what is, it, what, what, what is God trying to communicate to us, to our hearts today? If I just focus on the process of living holier, it can become what some Christians call legalism. It can become this thing where I, eventually I, I can boast. When Paul is telling me in Ephesians, no one can boast. It's a dangerous thing. And I can get all bent up on how many times I fail or how well I do it. I can start rating myself. It, so it can be disastrous. So what's the true focus of sanctification? How do we bring it to our lives today in a meaningful and impactful way? How do we make this a true experience for us? Well, here's what we do. Sanctification at its essence is the act of correctly placing our affections in God. Regardless of how complicated, you could try to make a method of it. Uh, I'm not going to watch certain movies. Uh, I'm not going to listen to certain music. Uh, I'm going to make sure that when uh, a person knocks at my door, I say certain words. Uh, I'm going to make sure that you can make it a whole process and it misses the point. Sanctification at its essence is the act of correctly placing our affections in God, not in sin. If you do that, 
That's the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5. That is a true, meaningful, not just a to-do list, but a meaningful transformation of saying, I don't value sin more than God anymore. And even the interaction that I'm going to have with, say, Vicky today will be righteous because I am now seeking to place that on something more valuable. I am, I am obtaining joy from seeking that obedience to be a better person in God because it's him doing it in me and because it satisfies me to be holier because he is holy, because he earned it for me. Psalm 1 uh, Verses one through two says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight, enjoyment, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. That's delight. True joy is the process of sanctification. Seeking joy in God, not in other things. So don't walk away here thinking you have to do a to-do list. No, You walk away here saying, I must seek joy in God more than anything else. And that's why Paul says that I count all as lost next to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus because nothing compares. That is sanctification, not a to-do list. It's more and more affections geared towards where they're supposed to be, God. Sin skewed them to other things that are insufficient. And the Holy Spirit now is empowering me to place my affections back on him where they rightly belong. That's what it is. Psalm 40 verse 8 says, I delight to do your will, O my God, your law is within my heart. Two key words there should stand out to you today, and that's the takeaway for you today. Delight, you enjoy it, and the law is within the heart. It moved from head knowledge to the heart. It's not a to-do list in your head. It's a heart issue. It's moved from head knowledge into the heart. The law, he could have said the law is in my mind day and night. No, it says here, your law is within my heart. It's changing the nature of who I am. My affections, my yearns, my desires are now geared towards God, not towards sinful things. Head knowledge is me just saying, let me just try to be sanctified by my, no. This is change of heart. This is law within your heart. There's this quote by the Puritan John Flavel, who said, or Flavel, however you say it. <laughs> he, said, he said the following, What is sin but the corrupt and vitiated appetite of the creature to things that are earthly and sensual, relishing more sweetness and delight in them than in blessed God? And what is sanctification but the rectifying of these inordinate affections and placing them on their proper object? That's a lot of fancy words, but what he's trying to say is that sanctification is the process of realigning my affections, not from not taking them away from sin and placing them in God. So living a holy life is not pressure because I've been justified. Living a sanctified life is me reorienting, reorient reorientation of my desires from the heart to God. That's what sanctification is. It's a reorientation of my desires to make sure that now I am placing them on the right thing, God. So living holy is not pressure. That's not what it is. 
Now, from a head knowledge ta- uh, perspective, James, there's a table, I don't know if you can bring that slide up, that kind of clarifies the differences between what justification and sanctification are. This is head knowledge. Sanctific- justification happens when you first believe and repent. You repent and believe in Jesus, and it happens once for all time. It's done. We are, what happens, we're declared righteous. We're declared holy. God sees our standing as holy because of Jesus. And it's done the first moment we have faith. It's done. Over. No revisiting. It's over. It's been dealt with. Done. Sacabo. It's over. Sanctification starts when we first repent and believe, but continues throughout our life. Remember, we've moved from justification into sanctification. We're becoming more like Jesus. And it's completed when we die and when Jesus returns. But at the end of the day, it's a process that I seek for my heart's sake to live a life full of joy and full of meaning the only way it's possible. Not in things that will leave me wanting, but in God who is the fountain, endless fountain of living water. Let's pray. Father, as... uh, This is Jackie and Sherry come back up for worship. I ask that at this moment when we worship in song to you, that we would remember that we are no longer slaves to sin. We are no longer slaves. As that song even says, I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. That's from Romans 8. We've moved into a freedom of a sanctified life, becoming holier. That means addressing the sins that we haven't really wanted to address. So Father, just open our eyes to see those things that are still in our life and may we every day progress in this weird churchy word called sanctification. Becoming holier in action just so that it matches the status that you already gave me. I am already justified. It's over, it's done. Now let's reorient, let's reorient our affections towards you. May the power of the Holy Spirit dwell upon us to do that. May it both convict us and empower us, enable us to accomplish this, Father. As the ushers come forth, we pray for the tithes and offering as well, that they would be multiplied so that people can discover that only true holiness is available in Jesus Christ. He is both our justifier and our sanctifier, and it's all done by him, not by me, not by you, all by Jesus. May we worship at this very thought in delight of everything he's done for us, especially when there was nothing that we could do. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.